The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, everyone. I am Katie Lear. I am your host today for the Slice of Apple presentation. So welcome if you are on the Zoom link today, if you are on ACB Radio, or if you're listening on your podcast. This is primarily going to be a Q&A session, so I'd like to go over the procedures for raising and lowering your hand. On the computer, it's going to be Alt-Y. On the Mac, it's going to be Option-Y. On your iDevice, right in the center of the screen, you're going to have a raise hand button. And on your telephone, your landline, it's going to be star nine. So it gives me great pleasure this afternoon to introduce to you Matt Valbrick, who is going to talk us everything about the slice of apple. Thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate that. And welcome, everybody. Welcome to our Friday afternoon Apple presentation. Trainer Matt here of the tech juggernaut at ttjtech.net. I'm joined once again by trainer Cliff. I heard him come in of stiritup.com as well as part of the TTJ team and also I expect uh, that uh, trainer Rita will be here as well if she's not already I may have missed that but anyway we are excited to have you excited to be with you today and we are uh, we are fast approaching one year of doing these Apple presentations and we're very excited about that we're just absolutely thrilled with um, how things have gone over the past year. And we know that, um, you know, we, we really believe that people have been blessed by learning what they can do with this technology, how it can in, enhance their lives and, you know, things of that nature. So we, um, we've been invited to continue that. So it's a great privilege to announce to you that the presentations are going to continue. Uh, as uh, I, I jokingly said with uh, with Cindy, uh, I, I said we, we we can announce that we've uh, we've reached a deal for another year. You know how they always say, but <laughs> we really didn't have to negotiate that much. We enjoy doing it. Um, and as we um, as we are uh, coming up on that one year, what we decided to do was to talk about some common questions that we get, and perhaps more importantly, let you ask your questions. So this is as Katie said. Uh, already, this is mostly going to be a Q&A session today. Start thinking about your Apple product questions. I'm going to pose a few. Maybe Trainer Cliff and Rita um, also will have some that they want to pose that we've heard a lot. But I'm going to pick some that we often get. You know, we host weekly 
help session. They're completely free every Tuesday and Thursday and the second and fourth Saturday of every month. We got another one coming up tomorrow. And those are free, as I said, to everybody. You can just come on in. Uh, we use the WebEx platform, very similar to Zoom. And you can ask your questions about Apple products. And so what I've done is kind of handpicked a few of the most common questions that we get repeatedly at help sessions and that I get as an individual when my customers contact me. Um, I'm sure there'll be some that we miss and that's where you come in. So you're gonna be given plenty of opportunities to ask your questions today. All we ask is that you keep them relevant to Apple products and be respectful, okay? I think we can handle that. So I'm gonna go with one right off the bat. I'm gonna talk about this one. And uh, Trainer Cliff, how are you doing today? Blessed as always. Blessed as always. How's it going? Amen. Amen. Same here. Praise God. Blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And we're glad to glad to uh, be with all of you. And, um, you know, one question that we often get, and Cliff, you'll back me up on this because you've gotten the same question. And, and oftentimes we as a team have gotten this question. And it goes something like this. Um, what has happened to my contacts? Why, uh, why can I not find that contact that I added on both devices? Why is it oh, not I thought syncing? you were going to go. I thought you were going to go with the ultimate classic. I always love that question. Which one is that? <laughs> I have to close all my apps to save my battery. Oh, oh yeah, that one. That one's coming up, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> we'll definitely do that one, too. Yeah, uh, this one we've been getting a lot. And, and you know, and, and people also ask a lot of related questions, you know, like they'll see me say something to Siri like, you know, uh, I'll demonstrate this. I mean, I actually know the answer, but, you know, I'll do this to demonstrate and I'll say, when is my daughter's birthday or when is my son's, you know, or my wife, whatever. And Siri just knows the answer to that. And people say, how do you do that? How does it know who your wife, your son and your daughter are when their birthday is all that stuff? So we want to talk to you a little about contacts. And, and that first part of that question, why are not, why are my contacts not showing up on all my devices or why they look different? Why do I have duplicates? You know, I update something on one and it doesn't update on the other. I thought they were supposed to be in sync. Well, the answer is that they are, but there can be things that complicate this if you don't know what you're doing. And it may not be, uh, it may just be a matter of no one's ever shown you, you know? And so to start out by saying, Apple has this amazing, fabulous iCloud service. We really love iCloud here at TTJ and stir it up and the whole team. We really do. We think iCloud is, is one of the best things about Apple because it integrates everything so beautifully together, makes all your devices able to work for you. All your stuff is on all your devices, no matter where you are, no matter which device you're using. It's wireless, it's automatic. And basically all you have to do is sign in with your Apple ID. So we love iCloud, right? iCloud syncs all of this stuff, not just contacts, um, but, uh, you know, calendars, photos, music, TV shows, documents, uh, books, everything, you know, it, it syncs all kinds of things and contacts are certainly right up there at the top of the list. The issue is iOS devices are also capable of storing other kinds of accounts besides just iCloud. What do you mean other kinds of accounts? Well, if you sign in with a Gmail address, you are adding a Google account to your phone or your iPad or Mac or whatever. If you sign into a Microsoft account, you're adding an Outlook you know, account to your, your phone. Some people even still have Yahoo. And so there are all kinds of accounts that you can store on your devices. And in recent years, these other kinds of accounts 
especially Google, Microsoft, the three that I mentioned, also happen to be able to handle things besides mail. So you might think you're just adding them so that you can get your email. Well, I got a gmail.com address, so I need to add my Gmail to my phone so I can see my Gmail in the Apple Mail app. And that's fine. But what you may not realize is that you're also adding additional calendars, contacts, and notes accounts to your phone under the Gmail account because Gmail also handles those. Even some internet providers like Comcast Xfinity, if you add your Xfinity email to the Apple Mail app, you're adding a potential notes account to your devices as well. And when you add them, you have an opportunity to turn on or off each service, contacts on or off, calendars on or off, notes on or off. But if you're not aware of what that means or what's actually happening, you're liable to make the wrong choice. Now, when I say wrong choice, it's personal preference. There really is no right or wrong. And these devices are designed to allow you to use all of those things together. For example, my wife, as a teacher, works in a school district that is pretty much entirely a Google school district. Now, their email addresses are not Gmail. They're, you know, the, the name of the district. But that's because of a thing called G Suite, which is Google's business uh, side of things that allows you to use your own domain. But it's still a Gmail account whether you realize that it is or not. And so when my wife, if she chose to do it this way, she could add her Gmail account, her school district account, to settings under mail and accounts so that she'd receive her school district email right in the Apple Mail app. But what she's also adding is a calendar, the Google Calendar. And for her, that probably makes a lot of sense because as an employee of that district, she's going to be expected to access that Google Calendar. She's going to be expected to know when the last day of school is, which is coming up fairly soon. She's going to expect to know, uh, be expected to know when she has to be at the faculty meeting, when the graduation practice is, bless you, all these kinds of things. And so absolutely it would make sense to allow her, um, her uh, calendars to be, to be synced. The problem is if she's not aware of her default calendar, when she goes to add a personal event to the calendar, it may try to add to the Google calendar. And we see this happen so often with customers. I had one just a couple of weeks ago. He, he said, hey, I'm adding events to my calendar. They add and then they're not on there. They're just not showing up. And what happened was he didn't realize his default calendar was not iCloud. It was some other account that he had on there. But he had that calendar hidden. So not only was he adding to an account he didn't really want to add to, but he wasn't even showing that, that account in his calendar app so he couldn't see the events or Siri couldn't access them after he added them. And so it was a very easy fix. We went in there. We found where the events actually were. And then I said, now let's change your default account so that we make sure it actually is iCloud so this doesn't happen going forward. So you can choose by all means to integrate and use all of these together. I don't ever want to give somebody the impression that you can't, but you really need to make sure that you know what you have and which services are your default. And, and the same thing happens with contacts. Um, now, if you have the choice, if you're not sort of mandated by your employer or something to use like a Google calendar or something, then 
We at TTJ highly, highly recommend that you use iCloud for all of that stuff and that on all other accounts on your device, like Google, for example, you disable everything except mail. Okay. That's how I do it. And it works great because iCloud is going to give you the best syncing, the best integration, the best Siri support, the best all of these things. And it's built right into all of your devices. So all you got to do is sign in with your app with the same Apple ID across all your devices, and it's just going to work. So we recommend iCloud if you have the choice. Again, it's personal preference. Now, if you've got a bunch of other accounts enabled, by all means, you can uh, continue to use them that way. Just make sure you know what your default is. Make sure it's what you really want it to be so you're not adding to the wrong calendar or contacts list or uh, notes list or whatever. And also make sure that... Um, if you do decide you're going to switch and use only iCloud, that you move everything over to iCloud. Because, for example, if you've added 50 contacts to Google without realizing it, and now you turn off that Google account, you're no longer going to see those contacts on your iPad or iPhone. Now, they're going to still be there in the cloud. They're not being removed, but you're not going to be able to access them anymore if you've turned off contacts for that particular account. So in those cases... Um, we have some workarounds and solutions for people that want to move them over uh, if that becomes a, you know, a question that we get. But uh, the, the general point here is that you can have multiple accounts. And the important thing to do is to just make a decision, an informed decision about what you're going to use. As I say, I use iCloud. I've disabled every other account except for mail. You know, so I've got a Google on there. I've got Comcast on there. And I've turned off notes. Comcast supports uh, notes and mail. And of course, Google supports several of those calendars. And, you know, I I've turned all that off for Google, except the Gmail. Mine is also a, a G Suite um, for my business. So it's actually not a Gmail address, but it is a Google account. And so again, just turned everything off except mail. And the only service that I have doing more than mail is the iCloud account, which does everything that it's capable of doing. And so I know. And then, you know, I also know that I, my default calendar is what I want it to be uh, in iCloud and my, you know, default reminders list and all this. So your place to start looking for all this is under settings. And the first thing we want to do is go to your name right at the top of the list after the search is um, your name listed. You just tap on that or double tap, of course, with voiceover. and swipe to the right until you hear iCloud. And then you can double tap there and you'll see all these different apps using iCloud, right? Photos, iCloud Drive, calendars, contacts, reminders, notes. Uh, there's just tons of them. Make sure they're turned on. That's step number one, okay? Once you've done that, step number two is to go back to settings, the main settings screen. And to go into, for example, mail, you could also do contacts or calendars. It really doesn't matter. Uh, but let's just say mail and then go into accounts. And under there, you will see all the accounts that you have on your device, including your iCloud account. And you'll be able to see which services they're using. Are they using just mail or are they using mail contacts and calendars? You know, what, are they, what are they currently doing? And so you can go into each of those accounts and turn off anything you don't want or turn on those things that you do. So that's a little bit of an overview of uh, the answer, the first part of the answer to that question. Um, Cliff, do you have anything to add to that? Or Rita, if she's here, I don't know. 
he may be otherwise occupied at the moment. Um, well, let's let's uh, let's go on to the second uh, part of that question that I mentioned to you. Um, I can so easily ask Siri these kinds of questions. Um, you know, tell my wife I'm on my way, or when is my son's birthday? You know, how does it know this information? And this still goes back to our contacts. We're still talking about that. It is very important that you explore and properly fill out your contacts, both the cards, the contact cards for other people that you want to add to your address book, as well as your own contact card, okay? Because that's where that information comes from. So, you know, prior to the days of the iPhone and then the iPad and, you know, these related devices, maybe we were using things like, you know, a Braille and speak or... Uh, maybe we were using, like I was using a parrot voicemate back in the day, you know, and then there were some people that used, uh, I don't know, some of these older, supposedly kind of smartphones, you know, or maybe mobile speak or, you know, whatever. And they really didn't do a good job of helping you to add contacts properly, you know. And so what you'd end up is end up with is something weird like mom and dad sell. And that's a contact name. Well, that's not a contact name, okay? And so you've added this stuff and basically done it incorrectly because you didn't know any differently. And what it is important that you do is that you fill out one contact card per each person, not per family, even if they're going to share, even if they have the same, you know, they're, they're married, they live together, whatever, they, they have the same home address, home phone number. Even if that's the case, one contact card per person not per couple, not per family, and don't use nicknames. Use the first and last name. Put the real first name and the real last name, or if it's a company, put the real business name, company name. And then if you want to put a nickname in there, there's going to be a place to do that, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. So that's the first step, and make sure you do this for yourself also. All right, so you put these contacts in there. You put a first name. You put a last name. You choose the correct label when you add a phone number, you make sure that you're doing a home number, an iPhone, a mobile number, uh, a main phone number if it's a company. Um, you can even make custom labels. There's, there's tons and tons of labels in there already for phone numbers and email addresses and, and physical addresses and such. I don't even remember how many there are, but there are tons of them. But you can also add your own custom ones. So if you have a, a company that you call and somebody says, well, this is the... Um, this is the VIP hotline that you, I'm giving you the number for. Well, you can actually put that in there as a custom label. So you could have a main number for that company. You could have a, a work fax. You could have VIP hotline. You can create that custom label. A lot of people create a custom label for like emergency notifications. If they have an alarm system that's professionally monitored, they, um, they might add that in there so that they know it's that company calling them if they need them, you know, for some reason. So, you can add your own custom labels, but be sure that you use a correct and fitting label for each phone number and email address and even the physical address. Um, put the physical address in if you know it, and then you can really go crazy and do a lot of really cool things. For example, you can put a nickname, okay? Now, if you don't want to, and some of these you have to hit add field to show these extra types of fields that you can add. But you, if you put a nickname, then... You can use that nickname with Siri. 
And Siri will use that nickname when showing you that contact uh, messages and so forth. Um, if you don't want to enter the nickname manually for yourself, you can also use Siri and say, call me whatever you want to be called. Okay. Um, there's a related name field and you can have more than one of these. So you can add relationships. And this is how Siri knows who my son is, who my daughter is, who my wife is, who my mom and my dad are, because they have contacts. I have contact cards for them in my contacts. And I've indicated the relationship. Now I can indicate the relationship either through the contact card as I'm creating it, or later if I go back and edit it. But I can also use Siri. I can say, Carson Volbrecht is my son. Kylie Volbrecht is my daughter. As long as I have her contact in there correctly, then Siri will remember that relationship and add the information accordingly. All right. So you can do it either way through Siri or directly through the contact card. All right. That's another very important and very useful one, though, is the relationships. Then another thing you want to do is put their birthdays right in the contact card. Here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to go to the calendar app and create a new birthday for somebody on your calendar because there is an already existing birthdays calendar available in the Apple calendar app in iCloud. And when you add someone's birthday to the contact card, it automatically gets put on the birthdays calendar. So that is really the correct way to do it. And you'll have benefit of doing it that way. So birthdays, anniversaries, other important dates, you can, you know, you can do all of those things. And by the way, with relationships, that's another place where there are just tons and tons of label choices. I mean, your obvious ones, wife, son, daughter, mom, dad, brother, sister, but then you have like, you know, I, I think there's probably aunts and uncles. There's um, just like child and parent listed. There's uh they, they even have now like, you know, partner and all these kinds of things. There's just so, so many choices that you can have for your uh, relationships and, and you can have many of them so that you really, you know, can, can drill down and have all the details about this contact. Having a physical address, as I mentioned, very, very useful because you can say, you know, take me home to Siri or you can say to Siri, uh, take me to uh, my mom's work, you know. And she will do it because Apple Maps will get that address uh, and, and know it. All right. So putting this stuff in there makes a difference. It helps with all of these things. And it also helps when inviting people to calendar events or, you know, using even third party apps. Very, very useful to fill out your contact cards properly and completely. If somebody has a and then, by the way, what's really nice is that if somebody says to you, hey, text me so I'll have your phone number. I want to keep in touch with you. And, you know, uh, so send me your number. Well, you could do that. But now why not just send them your contact card? Then they'll have all your information. And what I've actually done, I think all of us on the team do this, if I'm not mistaken. But I, what I've actually done is I have two separate contact cards. So if I'm working with a client, a customer, you know, I send them my business contact card, which is actually not doesn't have my first and last name and it has the name of my business the tech juggernaut it has the business phone number email addresses and and website and that's about it 
then if I if I if it's more appropriate, I also have a personal contact card, which also includes the business info, but in addition has all those relationships and my birthday and home address and you know home. Well, I don't really use a home phone anymore, but you know, iPhone number and all those things. So all of those kinds of things are available. I just have two separate contacts. And speaking of two separate contacts, uh, there are some people who say, well, if you have it wrong, like if you you know if you have a mom and dad sell and then mom and dad's home and they're two separate contacts, why not just use the link contact feature to link them together? Well, you can do that. You can link two contacts together. But honestly, if your contacts are really messed up, I recommend just creating new ones. I know it's going to take longer. You know, if you need to pull out the old, uh, you know, smart keyboard or Bluetooth keyboard or whatever you have and, and you know, use that to help you if, it, if it's getting to be you know, or just do them a little bit at a time, you know, a few a day, but you're not going to regret it at the end of the day. When all is said and done, you'll be able to do so much more with your devices and do it much more efficiently. Um, I'll go back to the, to whoever's here from the team. I know Cliff is, you have anything to add to any of that stuff? That's a pretty good rundown for me. I mean, I can't speak for others, but I know I love it. I mean, Microsoft did a good job in Outlook Calendar and stuff when they had it, but you know, I I, I think Apple has taken it above and beyond what you can do. I mean, like you said, you can enter your my I can enter my anniversary, my wife and my kids' names, birthdays, all in their contacts, and I don't have to enter a separate entry into the calendar. It automatically goes on the calendar, and you know, it's just it's just seamless to me. I mean, there's not much more improvement to me that can be done, but I'm pretty sure they'll come up with something. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Okay. So what I'd like to do now, we have a couple more that we'll, we'll share with you, including the one that trainer Cliff mentioned a little bit ago and a couple others that we get asked repeatedly. But what I'd like to do now is I'd like to jump to the audience. I'd like to see what questions you have. We'll take a few of them. Let me, let me grab my iPad here a second, because just in case I need to do anything uh, in the way of, uh, demoing or or anything else, and uh, I would uh, I'll say we'll um, we'll do. Oh, let's see. It's about three twenty-seven. So we'll uh, we'll take about ten minutes worth of questions, unless we don't have that many, and then we'll uh, we'll do another one uh, that we've come up with here. We so have six Katie, hands you know. raised, Matt, right. and let okay, me quickly great. go over how to raise and lower hands and then how to mute and unmute. On the computer, it's going to be all Y. On the Mac, it's going to be options Y. Um, on your iDevice, it's going to be right in the center of your screen. And on your telephone, it's going to be star nine. When I ask you to unmute, what you will do is on your computer, it's going to be alt A. On your Mac, it's going to be Command-Shift-A. On your iDevice, lower left-hand corner. And on your telephone, it's going to be star six. Chris Bell, please unmute yourself. Hi there. Hi there. So um, I have many duplicate contacts. And I'm wondering if there is an easy way to delete them in batches as opposed to one by one. So there is not in the contacts app directly. Uh, I want to go to trainer Cliff on this because he's done some more advanced stuff than I have. And, um, you know, also may have a, a different perspective on this. Uh, 
you know, you could delete them, of course, individually or link them together if they are all, you know. Uh, but Cliff, do you have any other thoughts about if he's got a large volume of duplicates, um, what's the best way to deal with that? Um, yeah, I, I'm not since he's not uh, available yet. I, I'm, I'm just thinking that there are a lot of third party apps that claim to be able to do you know, additional advanced things with your contacts. Um, and uh, it's perhaps worth looking. I'm not a big fan of giving third-party apps access to my contacts, or, or I should say, I'm not a big fan of letting them try to manage my contacts. I don't mind giving them access to it if they need it. I don't like third-party apps managing my contacts, but if you have a really large number of duplicates, that may be the best thing. Now, one thing I would ask you is just to be sure, is there a possibility that you have the exact issue I was describing with multiple accounts on your device, like a Google and an iCloud? And that yes, perhaps it's quite possible. Okay. So maybe the thing to start out with would be to check that again, you know, settings and then mail and then accounts or, or, or even settings of contacts and accounts. It doesn't matter. It all ends up at the same place. And what you could do is, you could temporarily turn one off. Now it's going to give you this warning. It's going to say all these contacts will be removed from your device, but just remember they're not being removed from the servers. They're just being, you know, basically hidden from or removed from your device. Turn that off and see what you're left with. Or you really don't even have to do that. If you go into the contacts app and go up to the top, there's a groups button right. and you can, you can try to hide one of the accounts and, and see what you end up with see which contacts are still there and how many duplicates you still have. Because if it's simply a matter of that, then you might have a much easier solution, which is that you don't have to delete them. You can just turn the non iCloud one off. If you don't need, again, you can choose, you know, if you still want to leave your, you know, let's say Gmail on so you can receive email, that's fine. You don't have to keep the contacts on though, you know, so maybe that's actually the place to start before you worry okay. about having to delete. How about on the Mac? Can you do uh, global deletes on contacts on the Mac? Well, that's that's what I was hoping Trainer Cliff would answer because he is uh, more of a Mac expert and more of a Mac user than I. I have a Mac. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I do know my way around it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I thought I'd be nice and just give you a compliment. Just, you know, <laughs> I hadn't done it in a while. <laughs> now, oh. if you do decide to try to delete them from a Gmail or a Yahoo or whatever, um, on your Mac, the problem is that you may delete them from the server. Oh. Um, so I think turning them, them accounts off is a better solution than deleting them, especially if you want to back up or you want to keep them in your Gmail. Some people choose to keep them in their Gmail, even though they want to just use iCloud, um, you know, for backup purposes, or maybe they go on the Gmail website and they want to have that address book ready to go. So if you, I, I can't confirm or deny because I don't use gmail contacts the only thing i use gmail for is my google voice number and youtube other than that i don't use gmail so i don't use contacts on there so i can't tell you if you delete them from there if they're if you delete them from your mac if they're going to delete them from the gmail server i can't okay, but what, I can't about tell you your just, what about your just your apple contacts can you delete them in, in bulk on the mac as oh yeah to? that that you can do yes you can it's actually pretty easy because you can do non-continuous selection or <clears throat> if you I'm sorry, if you have them like by domain or something, because you can do uh, like I can say anything that that ends in Comcast.net and then I can select all those contacts and delete them. Or I actually use smart 
I don't know if they're called smart sorting or smart lists or smart groups are what they call. Like for instance, because we do these sessions, these teaching um, uh, sessions and um, courses from September to May, it's easier to put the students for that year in a group. So if I need to email them all or a few at a time, I can. So what I do is I'll put voiceover student in the business or the uh, the name, I forgot what it's called. Yeah, it's, sure, a, sure. it's a label. But what I'll do is I'll put them there. So all I'll have to do is uh, whenever I put voiceover student in their contact, it'll automatically put them in a group. And at the end of the school or the training season, all I got to do is go to that group, delete it, and remove them all from my contacts. Okay. Well, thanks for your time. I don't want to take up more time. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Tom Belson, unmute, please. Yes. Uh, I have a question. Can you, can you, uh, print a mailing label from the contact? Um, on iOS, there is a way to do that in uh, pages, I believe, using your contact list, if I'm not mistaken. Now, it has been a while since I looked into that. I, I did have that actually, that knowledge before, but I, uh, I believe that it is done through pages. Um, and uh, what I will do is make sure I'm brushed up on that before we teach it in the iPad class. And if you're in the iPad class, you'll get the benefit of that. And even if not, those recordings are made available on YouTube or you can ask at a help session in around two weeks because I know you come to those. And, and if you, you know, in about two weeks, we'll be doing pages anyway. So I'll, I'll make sure by then I'm armed and ready with the specifics and the details on that, if that's okay. But I do believe that it is possible, but it's, it's on, at least on iOS, it's done through Apple pages. Now, I don't know, Cliff, is that also true on the Mac? Do you know? Like you, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's what <laughs> and I, it's something yeah. that I don't do on a, on a regular basis. So that, no, me, that'd be, that'd me, probably be a better question for Stephanie because she uses that, them kind of features more than we do. Right. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Peggy, unmute yourself, please. Hi, um, this is Peggy. And I was um, wondering if you think um, Apple's done messing around with the um, with the calendar thing. It's like, you know, it used to be one way and then they changed it. So, for instance, for the uh, hour, you would type in the number. And now they've gone back to a, um, a picker, it looks like. And, well, uh um, so I actually, it's interesting that you brought that up, Peggy, because that was one of the questions I planned on uh, addressing today was uh, how best to use the calendar ad event screen, uh, because it has undergone some changes and we have gotten that question. Um, I can't speak for what Apple is, is planning in the future. I, you know, I don't have any, of course, insight to that. And, you know, even if I did, I wouldn't be permitted to share it. Um, what I can tell you is that the calendar, um, those that with well, a particular screen that you're referring to is one that has undergone several revisions to actually bring it closer to what our sighted peers are experiencing. So when when I first beta tested iOS 14 last summer and, uh, you know, I began testing the calendar, I had no idea because they don't tell us what to look for, you know, um, and. I immediately said, oh my, there's a, a major bug in the calendar with voiceover, you know? And I was actually in the process of filling out a report and had not submitted it yet. And, you know, praise God, I felt led to say, and, I, and my daughter 
also has the beta on her device. And I said, will you check this out and tell me if you're seeing the same problem or if it's just a voiceover issue? And she looked at it and she said, what problem? And I said, well, these dates are, you can't, there's no picker for the, the start date and the end date. It's got like this calendar listed. And, and she's like, it's always been that way. She's like, that's how we've done it in, in 13 and, and below that, that I don't know what you're talking about. So what had happened, I think, you know, the best of my understanding, of course, I'm totally blind, so I don't have the, the sighted perspective, but just going by what I've learned and what, you know, sighted family and so on have told me is that is that all these years, there's been a different way to do it with voiceover. And now they've finally brought us in line with what we're supposed to have. Now, I think the type only in the time thing was actually a voiceover bug and was finally fixed in like 14.3 or something to which now it is both. So the edit field is, mm. the edit field, it, it, it's a combination picker and edit field. If you tap on the hour or the minute, you can swipe up or down to choose the hour. Or if you double tap on it, it brings up an edit field where you can type a one or two digit hour and a two digit minute. And so it's your choice. When I'm entering times, and this is true for the clock and the reminders app as well, if you, um, you know, if, if right now, because it's going to use the current time. So let's say right now the actual current time is, let me go to my 3.39. So if my event begins at, oh, uh, let's say 5 p.m. on a given day, it's easy for me to just swipe up twice to go from three to five. That's no big deal. But from the 39 all the way to the zero, no matter which way I go, that's a lot of swiping. So in that case, <laughs> I would what I would do instead is just double tap on that and I'd just type 500, which equals five o'clock. And then, you know, you choose the AM or the PM. So you actually have the choice. So what I'll do after we take the rest of these questions is I'll demonstrate this. I'll, I'll actually demonstrate adding an event because I was planning on looking at that anyway. And uh, hopefully that will give you a, you know, a little more um, comfort with it. And, I, you know, again, I can't speak for what Apple has planned in the future, um, you know, but I, I do believe that what we're experiencing now in 14.4 and, and so forth is, is precisely in line with what uh, sighted users have available to them. And I actually think it's a lot easier than it used to be in 13 and below, uh, but it's just a matter of again, making sure you learn how to use it properly. Yeah, thanks. I didn't know you could still edit the time directly. Yes. You know? yep. So yep. I like that because I, I hate the fact, it used to be every five minutes when you did the picker, but now it's every minute. So it's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. That's okay. right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked when they brought it to the, you know, the editable thing, but I kept reading about how sighted users could also turn this clock dial to adjust the time and we couldn't do that in like 14.0 or right, one, you right. know but then finally now we have the choice so we can do it either way okay great thanks yep sure Deborah lavelle unmute yourself please hey thank you um i have a question as it relates to bluetooth i have a watch and then i use several different bluetooth headsets but like say if i've got on my uh, apple airpods I'll be listening to something on my phone and all of a sudden it's gone and it's gone to my watch. And, and obviously it's an app that doesn't play off the watch, but then to get it to go back, I have to take them out, put them in the case, put them back in. And the same, and it, 
so you know, I've tried it with the AirPods. What is it? One and two. I it, it and it's now started to do it with my um, what is this? Beats Flex. So how can I get it not to switch to my watch when I want it to be on my phone? Okay, so let me, and I'm going to have to, I, I, I'm going to ask trainer Cliff to jump in on this one as well. Sure. Uh, both, both he and I have watches and really love them, but they're not necessarily our primary uh, device. And I don't know if he's experienced that. I have not experienced that in years. So I, I have a few ideas, but I want to see where he's at on this. But I will tell you, if it happens, the, um, the quicker way to solve it than actually having to take them out and put them back in the case is to go to the control center on your iPhone, which is where you, which iPhone do you have? I have the 12 Pro. Okay. So you know, the, you know how to get to control center probably. Oh, yes. Tap, top of the screen and slide down. Okay. So yeah, yeah. in the control center where the media playback controls are, if you double tap there, there's an option that says playback destination, and you can just pick your AirPods again, and it will switch back to the AirPods. They are designed to, you know, work with all your devices and go back and forth. So the Beats Flex and the AirPods have that same feature, and you can easily switch them back without So I go into media out. play rather than into the Bluetooth settings? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because what you're doing is altering the playback destination from the iPhone back to the AirPods. Right. Now, I mean, I like I like the watch. I mainly use it to, for fitness tracking and walking and, of course, getting the time, but it's not like... Right. But you don't want to... Yeah, no, I agree with you. I wouldn't... Yeah. What is the... Do, Cliff, do you have... I just don't remember... Without changing anything for the automatic switching, there's really nothing you can do except for what you just suggested. What... Me and my wife have done, though, because we share an Apple ID, but we have multiple devices. We both have watches. We both have iPads. We both yeah, have my phones. husband and I do, too, but he doesn't. So to avoid things automatically switching while your wireless or your Bluetooth device is connected, you would go to Bluetooth, go to that device, go to more and go to where it says automatically switch and toggle that off. That way, whatever device is on, it'll stay on. So if I put in my earpods, or my um, Powerbeats Pro, it won't switch to her iPad audio automatically. That's the only workaround that I've come, but that's, you know, I, I mean, because I really don't know why they have your watch audio switch to the earpods or to your Bluetooth device when there's, I mean, I don't listen to music on there. I guess that'd be good for somebody that's working out and maybe want to listen to their music from their watch, but I don't do it. So I, I mean, don't maybe, think it sounds good either. So. <laughs> it doesn't, not to me anyway, but Hey, some people love it and swear by it, but I mean, so, maybe so I would be... go into the Bluetooth settings, go down to like, say my AirPods. Yeah. And make sure they're, make sure you're, you're there oh, that you're, they're activated or that you're using them at the time. Cause if that they're, they're if in my not, ears. Okay. Yes. Cause and if then they're not, then more. it's not going to let you, it's not going to let you go to more. And then go down to more and, and then once you go into more, there's a setting. I forgot how it's worded, but it says switch automatically or um, go to nearby device, something like that. Anyways, you want it to be off. And once you turn that off, then, then you can all, always choose what device you want your AirPods to go to. So if you put them in and they go to your, your phone and you that's want them on your, That's the only one I want them to go to. Yep. And then that's where you'll, then that's where they'll stay until you go. Like if, if you did have an iPad and you wanted to hear the audio from there, then you could go into the control center and switch them that way manually, well, but it yeah. won't switch okay. automatically unless you tell it, unless you go turn that setting back on. Hey, I'm going to try it. I've tried everything else. Thank you. <laughs> no Thank problem. You. 
Matt, just so you know, we have five more hands up. Abby, okay, go ahead well, and mute, please. Yeah, let's 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 keep going. See how yeah, okay. thank that we'll give it a try here. See maybe we'll pause in between, but yeah, let's take a few more. While we're waiting for Abby, Matt, you're gonna love that uh ring doorbell. I don't know what your property looks like now, but Sherry can zoom in from our front door all the way across to the kids' school's front door. She can watch the kids walk to school. Wow. And that's, that's at least a good, that's a good 50 feet at least. Yeah. Yeah, I know my parents are very happy with it. They like it, I think, better than their ring that they used to have. You know, they uh, they, they have very good things to say about it. I'm going to unmute Jewel. Abby, if you'll, um, I've lost you. I don't know where you went. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I, I just, I. Yes. Is this Abby? Or Jewel. Hi, this is Jewel. Hi, Jewel. Hi there. I just have a quick question. I've been trying. I've been using my keyboard to uh, navigate through my phone a lot, um, but there's one command I have not figured out. How do you activate Siri with the keyboard? So, if you have, which keyboard is it? Can you tell us? Yeah, it's the Logitech K380. Oh boy. Um, is there you a know I, you know I hate that keyboard? Man. I, need to I love that keyboard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I can't speak for that keyboard per se. I use Logic keyboards, but I don't go that back that far. But if I'm guessing, I would say that one has a function role. So try F3 or what we call the iOS key three, but F3 or four should activate Siri. I can't remember which one because they they changed the configuration as they get different keyboards so three okay. four or um f three four or five because one of them does search one of them does siri and one of them takes you home but i don't know okay. how yours is set up so try three four right. or five okay with the voiceover command or just f3 f4 just f3 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 f4 because i've yeah. activated siri a couple of times with my keyboard on an accident i just can't figure out how now I'm are you sure it. it was siri or dictation because those are two different elements wait siri or what or dictation. Oh no, it was definitely Siri. Okay, because dictation, if you hit the control key twice on the Bluetooth keyboard, it will autom it will activate dictation. And that's what command? That's control the control key twice quickly. Oh, okay. But yeah, um, so yeah, try F three, four, or five by itself. That's it's gotta be one of those. Okay. Thank or, you. Or use my best friend, which or best my best my best search friend, which is Google, and that it'll tell you. <laughs> Just put in your okay, mind your keyboard I've, I've and act. I'm looking, but I can't seem to find it. So. Yeah, and and trust me when I tell you, you don't want to go to a lot of text website because it's messy. No, yeah, that's it for is. Sure. I've tried. Abby, you should be yes, unmuted. I'm, I'm I'm here now. Can you all hear me? Sure can. Yes, we can. Okay, I'm sorry that took so long. I, for some reason, the level of my voiceover on is very low. And so I had to use Braille and it took me a, a while to find the unmute button. Thank you. So but anyway, my question actually does have to do with Braille, but not with that. I'm using a Humanware BI 20X with my iPhone. And one problem I've noticed when writing in, especially in email and text messages, VoiceOver will suddenly, while I'm writing or proofreading, it'll suddenly start to read the message. And then on the display, it says message is editing, blah, 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 whatever the message is. And so I press the cursor writing key and then I'm back in the message, but I'm back at the beginning. I have to go back and find where I was. 
is there anything in the settings that I can change to keep it from doing that? Or is this just another bug with Apple and Braille? Don't worry, Matt. I don't even use this Braille display, but I use one of my own. And what I do is I have I have added hints to my rotor. So when I'm typing in Braille or when I'm using my Braille display, I should say, I turn hints off so they don't come up on the screen and interrupt me when I'm typing. The other thing that I do, and some people aren't comfortable with doing this, is I also turn speech off. I don't want to read in here at the same time. I either want to do one or the other. Now, it's personal preference, but it's just a suggestion. But the biggest thing oh. that you might want to do is put hints in your rotor so you can turn them off. So if you are typing and a notification oh. or something comes through, oh. you can turn those hints oh. off so the Braille uh, message over the hint doesn't interrupt you. Okay. All right. I will, I'll, I'll add hints to the rotor and then just turn them off. Okay. I can do that. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Larry Johnson, unmute yourself, please, sir. See, that's why I'm here, Matt, to bail you out, because I knew you didn't know that answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, that I, I do as well. Hi, guys. Hey, I've got a ghost I need to get rid of. And I, I, I had somebody recommended something that I do, but it still isn't getting rid of it. What it is, it's a ghost label on uh, my uh, videos and photographs that I have stored. And it keeps... Uh, it keeps showing up on the last video, even though that's not the name I gave it. And oh. I was told what I had to do was to uh, hit uh, tap once and then hold my finger down. And when I do that, it simply plays the video. So there's some way I know I originally put in the label, but I can't get rid of it now. Audio um, so you're hearing the name of the video incorrectly. It, it's 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 actually the name of the video that's wrong, or is yeah. it reading something after the name of the video? Well, uh, I originally named a video. It was called "Together Again." Okay, and I named it for a particular video, and. And now each time that I add a new video, that label wants to pop up on that video. So it, it keeps following my videos and I, I don't want it there. I want to get rid of that sucker. Okay. So when the label you put in is now attaching itself to every video that's the last one on the list. Is that what yes. you're saying? Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. My my suspicion is that what happened is when you labeled, you may not have been exactly where you needed to be. When you are putting voiceover labels onto photos and videos, if you decide to go that route, you need to make sure that you actually have opened the photo or video first and uh -huh. swipe to the right to where it, it speaks the, you know, whatever it says before it's labeled. And uh -huh. that's where you need to do your two finger double tap and hold to put the label. Because if okay. you don't, yes, it will label the incorrect place if you're just in the list of photos and you try to label it there so what i would advise you to do is go back to the like you're going to label it again just to two finger double tap and hold but right in the main list where you were before and just delete the the custom label that you put in and it should automatically then call it what it really is so uh, i have i have to go back to the original video that i labeled is that what you're saying well i don't even think you need to i think any one of them that has that name you can probably go back and, and just two finger double tap and hold on it in the list and delete the custom label that's there. Okay. Two finger double tap and hold. 
Right. right. The, the, that's the label element gesture. And okay. just you'll keep it held down for a few seconds. It'll make these three little beep tones and then it'll bring up the edit field with okay. what you had typed and okay. you can delete it. So when you're doing that, make sure you do that from the main list of photos and videos in right. your library. Right. But when you want to put the proper label on it that belongs on an individual video, make right. sure you've double tapped it first to open it and okay. then swipe to the right to find the name and, and do the two finger double tap and hold. Gotcha. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Next we have Rhonda. Go ahead and unmute yourself, please. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Hi, I have a MacBook Air question, and I'm not so sure if it's a voiceover question, but um, when I'm using my Mac in any application, uh, it will automatically say that at some point that particular application is busy, like Safari, and then it will react and go back into active mode, and then a couple of seconds later, it will go back to say Safari is busy. And I just don't know what to do. My first question would be, what year and um, configuration of your MacBook Air do you have? It's a 2013 uh, 11-inch MacBook Air. Okay. Do you know how much RAM and um, hard drive space you got? I think it's four, four uh, in MacBook, uh, the RAM. And I offhand, I can't remember the... Um, Unfortunately, you're, you're probably not going to like what I'm going to say, but the, the, the year is not the issue. The okay. amount of RAM is, I mean, and I don't know if you use voiceover often, but if anybody that has voiceover, I would highly recommend at least eight gigs of RAM for the processing. Okay. And because RAM is like uh, lanes on a highway, the more lanes it has to travel data, the better mm -hmm. off you're going to be. So if you only have four lanes and voiceover is taking up three, then of course, Safari is going to be busy because it can only use one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll just, I'll just second what he's saying. Uh, in fact, I would recommend for a voiceover user to even go up to 16 gigs of RAM just to be, you know, extra safe. Um, and you said it's a 2013 Mac, you know, I know. And I know that's Apple, also a, probably a spinning, right? Matt, that's probably not SSD. Yeah, that, so that's that would probably not be SSD. I, I would guess um, yeah. that is, you know, I know Apple products last a lot longer than others, but there is still a life cycle with technology. And unfortunately, as a voiceover user, it's extra noticeable. You know what I mean? A sighted yeah, user yeah. might be able to get by with that for another couple of years, but- Like my um, sister who just dumped her 2009 Mac last week, right, but yeah. Right, right exactly. <laughs> but voiceover yeah. is, you know, is doing a lot of stuff in the background. We don't often realize that because it works so well, but you know, a screen reader is really a, a heavy duty thing. You know, and so it, it really will affect the performance. And I'm definitely a heavy voiceover user. So, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Yep, You're thank welcome. you. Kim, go ahead and unmute yourself, please. Okay. It took me a while to read that. Um, hold. Be quiet. You're good. We've got you. Okay. I know. I'm going to turn speech off. Hold on a second. Okay. Looks over, wants to tell me everything. Um, I have a question related to mail, and it might be the same kind of thing the other lady asked. But when I'm wanting to put my email 
address into an email. As soon as I get done typing the address, I hit the space bar and, and uh, it'll say, um, Siri has found an address. I'm like, no kidding. It's mine. You know, leave it alone. And so sometimes I really have to watch my Braille screen because the, my cursor might have moved or, you know, something like that. Um, so what can I do? Is there a way to turn off that thing that always notifies you about dates and emails and well, stuff like that? What you know, here's a, here's going to be a case of of personal preference. Uh, but you know what I would say for me is rather than turning it off, actually learning how to use it and take advantage of it will in the end save you tons of time because you just described typing an email address and then pressing the space bar. Whereas if you were to use those series suggestions and those populated results, you could perhaps type two letters and then just tap on the result that you want and it immediately will insert it into the two field and you'll be ready to type a second one if you need to send to multiple people. So, you know, now I don't know how to do that on a Braille display uh, because I'm not a Braille user. Cliff may know. Right. But I, I think, weren't you saying that you were, weren't you saying that you were trying to put the email address in the body of the email, like sending yes. it to somebody, yes. not in the two field? Okay. Yes. What I would do there, I do use a Braille display, but mine's one of the more, I wouldn't say more updated, but I don't, <laughs> anyway. All I, when I, even when I do, use my braille display or a regular keyboard even if i dictated whatever the best thing i've learned to avoid serious suggestions is just to hit enter that way it knows that's what you wanted to write oh just just enter and it it will yeah stop. not the space bar just enter because sometimes when you do space like for instance i my wife is a very uh i wouldn't say intriguing but she she comes up with some some uh, different names for our kids. So Siri has always tried to autocorrect stuff when I use the space bar. So instead of hitting the space bar and trying to get those autocorrect bubbles, I just hit enter. And that way Siri knows that that's what I wanted to write. Yes, it's a new line, but you know, whatever, who cares? But that way I know it's not going to try okay. to correct. Yeah. So that okay. is a different, yeah. I, I guess I misunderstood you then. Are you actually referring to autocorrect suggestions then? I don't think it's autocorrect because. No, she was saying that I'm sorry to cut you off, but she was saying that when she writes her email address in the body of the email, so she's given to somebody or maybe a group of people and he, she hits the space bar, Siri will pop up and say, a Siri found in contacts this email address. And of course, she says, of course you did, because this is my email address, but she doesn't want those suggestions to come up. Huh? Okay, I, I don't even know as I recall ever seeing that that way in that implementation. Um, yeah. And I would now, think you could... When, when he said um, hit enter, I guess, on the Braille display, that would be the same as the keys that I use for a new line. Yeah, whatever, whatever your new line command is. I'm sorry, I use the matches, okay. so, I have a, so I have a return key, yeah. but... Okay. Okay, so just type the email and go to a new line right away. Yes. Okay, That's the way yeah, I've avoided it because I've, I've, I've had the same I've had the same thing that you've had. Even when I'm typing 
like say I go to a contact, like my wife from one of my kids, it'll give me serious suggestions in there. Even though they're not in there, it'll tell me we found, I don't want to hear that. I know what this contact is supposed to say. So yeah, Siri can give you more information than you need sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when I, and I don't know, I guess because I just ignore it, but I don't know how to use that feature. Do you just go? Yeah, Matt, to, Matt, I think what her ultimate question is, is how does she ignore serious suggestions? Right. And you can, and I mean, your answer is, is correct. It just keep typing and it will ignore the suggestion. You know, it's not, uh, okay. it, it's not going to force it upon you. Um, but again, it. I mean, they're so cool when you, when you do you, like I can type in an edit field of a, of a message, for example, my phone number is, and it will pop up right above the keyboard on screen. And I can pick my home number, my iPhone number, my work number. And I just double tap that and it inserts it into the message, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so they're very useful, but if you do want to ignore them, yeah, just keep typing and, and they'll just, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank yep. you. Matt, no more Thank hands you. are up, sir. But okay. You do have, but you do have one from your panelist side though. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Okay. Tyson, you cannot ask anything. <laughs> I, uh, nothing, huh? Okay, then I'm gonna ask, since I can't ask anything, I'm going to ask something. So, um, so thank, thanks to our, our wonderful government, I have a little bit of stimulus money that to invest in some things and stimulate the economy. And I've been playing around with updating my router. Um, and I'm looking at possibly a mesh. So first question, first part is, can you explain what the difference between what is normally given out now uh, between that and, a, and what is a mesh uh, routing web system, yes. internet system. Yes. And secondly, and what is a good recommendation that works well with Apple? Okay. And I know to that know. question first. Cliff, Cliff and I are not going to have to, uh, are not going to have to arm wrestle on this one. We agree. 100%. <laughs> the, the arrow is the top of the line. Whether you get yeah. the pro or the home, I would recommend for you because I know a little bit about your personal life. I would recommend the, the home because number one, it's much cheaper. And number two, it's reliable. And I mean, the, I mean, Matt, I, I mean, he can verify this for me, but he used to use the mesh system that was given to him by Comcast and it was three pods. And he, you know, mesh systems, what they do is if I'm standing 50 feet away, you're standing 20 feet away and the mesh standing you know, at the other end, it's up to you to pass the information from me to him from you. And that's ultimately what the mesh system does. And Comcast system was very, very slow on that. He's got the Aero system now and it doesn't hiccup at all. As a matter of fact, if there's a power outage, the mesh system comes back online before his internet does. Yeah, yeah. So what he's talking about is E-E-R-O, Eero for everybody that's wondering. And to, to answer the other question, to just give you a little bit, a, a bit of an overview, um, a typically an internet provider will provide one single router or gateway or access point, whatever base station, whatever term you want to use. It's a router, you know, and it may be a modem and a router combo. That's generally what you get. That's going to be capable of whatever it's capable of. I mean, there's some really good ones. And for example, what Comcast gives, they're high quality routers. Uh, they are excellent routers. Um, but any wireless router, of course, is going to have limitations on its distance, its range, all of those things. And especially if you're using a five gigahertz network, which um, I don't recommend splitting them anymore. We used to recommend that. And then 
over time, we kind of learned that that's not the best practice because newer routers are capable of automatically routing devices to the best uh, network, and then you don't have to worry. So um, a mesh system, as, as Cliff said, is going to be a series of devices and it's going to uh, relay the traffic from one to the next to the next. And so it's a continuous strand of Wi-Fi that is, you know, to borrow the term from one of the Wi-Fi manufacturers, blanketing your home, you know, with, with coverage. And it really is the best and most effective way for a consumer and, and honestly, probably even some small businesses at this point to, um, you know, to get whole home coverage, uh, you know, short of doing a professional, you know, where you got access points mount, mounted in the ceiling all over the place, you know, for thousands of dollars. Um, the Eero system, and, and, and first of all, the Comcast mesh system, uh, which they call X5 pods, the more I've studied those, I think what is really happening there is they are using like wireless repeaters. And I, I don't want to go on record as saying that because there'd be somebody from Comcast. I don't want to offend them. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's factually the case. It may be a true mesh system, but the more I've researched it, the less and less it looks like a true mesh system to me. It's not a bad system. Okay. I had, I, you know, what system is that? the Comcast one. Oh, okay. But, it, it just doesn't, you know, part of the problem is the pods are, are limited in speed. And, you know, so not only was there a handshake issue at times, which I was able to sort of mitigate by resetting them, but it just would also be that, you know, I have a, a gigabit connection. Actually, praise God, now they raised us to 1200 megabits per second, 1.2 gig. And when I'm, you know, you're never going to see that right now on a Wi-Fi device because they're not capable of it. But I would see what, you know, does, your, or, what does your euro give you on a speed test? Um, typically about five or six hundred something in the same room, which is better than what. So the only way you're going to get that gigabit is if you're hardwired on another device. For now, for now, okay. You know that's going to change over time, I think. But yeah, because when I test the speed that is actually coming from the modem to the euro, it's up there, you know. But it's just what you're what you're able to get in that room. But. Um, the you know with the comcast ones when i'd walk to the other end of the house i'd drop clear down to you know 20 or 30 now it is going to degrade but it shouldn't degrade that much you know with the eero i still get about 100 on that other end of the house so the eero system the the eero pro which is the one that i have because you know we have like 30 some maybe more wi-fi clients and you know it's not uncommon at all for us to have something on the apple tv be watching you know a, a movie or a show and then each of my kids is also watching something on their ipad and i'm doing you know work or they might be doing a uh watching a show and we might have this you know this zoom call going on at the same time or so so you know i i like the pro the pro is actually giving you you can get one or you can get three uh and they may even sell two but you they come in packs you know and you can get three and they're actually all their own routers so they're three identical units and um the home one correct me if i'm wrong cliff the home one is one main unit and two beacons is that right no 
No. <laughs> then what? They're still, so they're still they're, all- you can get a you can get a beacon with any of them, whether it's the pro or the home. The home is just. If I'm not mistaken, it's only a three band radio instead of a four band as the pro is. Um, but the home, just like the pro, you can get three units throughout the house and they'll hand off with each other just like the pro will. It's just like I said, I think it's either either three radios or only two radios. It's just less square footage covered by the So home. it's just not as high. OK, so they're still giving you the actual full fledged all the same router and then you can you can add beacons in addition to that too exactly. like you said right you can still if you need and beacons more. i would recommend for like a garage where you got a garage door opener or i have one plugged in on my deck so when my kids are outside i don't have to whine, hear them whine and complain about their wi-fi dropping so yeah right. <laughs> and eero is technically owned by amazon um so you can actually sign in with your amazon account rather than having to create another account the setup is fully accessible um it guides you on placement so if you place the and this was another issue with the comcast ones they don't do this so it was a lot of hit or miss and moving things around yeah, there's no later. qr codes that you have to scan like with no the there's google no wi-fi QR codes. and i'm um, not bad mouth of google wi-fi because it was a good system it just didn't get the job done for it because i used to live in a 1200 square foot home now i live in a 3000 square foot home so the, the Eero made more sense for me yeah. And they also, the nice thing about the Eero also is that it works with HomeKit. So as an Apple user that, you know, that's going to show up in your, um, in your home app on all your devices. Um, if you have other HomeKit devices, it makes them more secure. It even gives you the option though. I, I didn't do this uh, because I have a lot of HomeKit devices. You can go full fledged maximum security by deleting all your home kit devices and setting them up as new and it puts them on their own private network now i didn't do that um but you can still turn on extra security for home kit devices even without doing that and then of course as i say you can also and even those who use echo devices they are fully compatible with um alexa also echo yes devices. right right well being amazon devices especially that that just makes sense you know and so you have all these features you can pause the wi-fi you can you know um, and there is a security plan that I recommend. There's two different levels of it. The one I have is the basic one. What is that? Like $30 a year or something. And with, with a discount, but yeah. Yeah. And I just I did it with, um, with Apple pay actually. And, and then there's a, a higher one that gives you like, um, what one uh, password and one some password other stuff. and some that's other like a hundred bucks a year i don't think it's i don't think it's necessary for the average consumer i'd do it if i had a business network but for home that's not necessary yeah yep probably more information than you want to hunt tyson <laughs> uh, no that's just exactly what i wanted <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like i said google wi-fi is a good one it just is not as compatible as the arrow is i mean it's it's literally it's going to take you longer to take it out the box than it will to set it up because it literally says turn on wi-fi turn on bluetooth once you do all that on your phone it finds it you name it you give it a password and you're done i mean that's how simple it is right and then you can you know you can go into your um into the discover tab and add the home kit integration and stuff. And that's even really, really simple. And uh, as I said, it guides you with the placement, which is nice. We, you know, we tried it one place where we thought made sense and it said, Hey, this isn't close enough. You need to move it, you know? Um, so it, you know, it tests all that as, uh, as you're going. 
And um, one thing I like about it, and my kids hate it, is I can put all their devices in a profile. And if I pull up the Logitech Circle View camera that I have in my kitchen and I see that they're not doing their chores, all I got to do is go to the Euro app and hit one button and it turns off all their devices Wi-Fi at one time. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's a great job, whether you get the home or the pro. And as I said, I, I wasn't sure. Um, what the difference Cliff is saying is just the number of uh, radios, the number of bands, um, you know, so you got to decide that for yourself, but um, it's a, it's a great system and it's a very highly rated system. They get good, uh, good reviews and good ratings too. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. No problem. Thank you. Um, we are at 415. And that's just enough time, I think, for me to do this calendar demonstration that I promised to, uh, was it Peggy? I can't even remember who asked it now. Before you um, do that, you want to touch on that sarcastic comment that I made at the beginning? Oh, you know, we yes, do get yeah, that yeah, one a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, let's get that one in there, too, because that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a myth that really just, oh, my, people, people think that they need to go into the app switcher and close all their apps. And that if they don't do that, it's taking up uh, extra, you know, memory, extra resources, extra battery. And we get that question a lot. Do I have to go in and close all my apps? And then if they think something's not acting right, they resort to that same thing. Well, look at all the apps you have running. No wonder it's not running right. You need to close all your apps. And the answer to that is it's simply false information that has gotten sort of propagated. And I'm not sure how, but it, it, it's definitely inaccurate. Um, so here's the deal with all that. Apple's hardware and software work together better than any other from any company because Apple controls the entire process. And because of that, they are able to do an absolutely terrific job of managing the memory and the resources on the device. So your apps, when you press the home button or you swipe up to go home or whatever you do, they do go into the background, but they go into a freeze, like a suspended state where they hold their position. So, you know, you can come back to what you were last doing but they don't take up your memory. And in fact, eventually they're automatically closed for you given enough time. There is no reason to go into that app switcher and force quit is the, the technical name for that. Um, any app, unless it is misbehaving, if you have an app that is not working properly, oftentimes force quitting it and relaunching it is the very simple answer to solving the problem and getting it working again. And there are some apps that do background processing that it just, you may decide you don't want to leave running. For example, certain GPS apps that continue doing what they do in the background, that can drain battery. Certain apps that use background audio, and this is technically not supposed to happen. It's a, you know, a glitch in the app somewhere, but it, it can happen. I had a metronome app uh, that I used to use with piano students and so forth. And when you would leave that metronome app, 
the audio would still sound weird as if it sounded like you were on a phone call. Okay. The way it was processed in the audio. And so, you know, I would always force quit that metronome app when I was done with it because it just made sense. So there are some, you know, random weird cases in which you might want to do this, but it really does not need to be done on any kind of a, you know, a typical basis. You can just leave that app switcher alone. And the only reason to quit apps in there is if, as I said, they're not working properly. Otherwise, the memory will be managed automatically. And you actually are doing yourself more harm than good when you close, force quit the apps because when they're automatically managed and you go back to those apps, they can instantly bring up your where you, wherever you were. But when you force quit them, now they have to re reload. So your progress, um, you know, to get back to that place has to be started from scratch. That takes up more power, more battery. So you are better off to just let them open and just do what you need to do. And uh, that's the answer on the, on the force quit. All right, let's, um, let's get into this calendar very quickly. And I'm only going to show you there's so much more we could show you on calendar. And if you're interested in it, um, check out our, I don't know if that one's on YouTube or not. We started with about the fifth or sixth session. And I don't remember if calendar was in there on our YouTube, the stir it up YouTube page. Um, if not get a hold of us, we can send you the calendar recording. Cause you can do really cool stuff. Travel time, custom alerts, custom repeats for events. I mean, you can do really, really complicated things. And I just don't have time to show you all that. But I want to show you the one thing we were talking about, which is how you work with the, the date pickers and the time pickers. All right. So I've got my, uh, I'm going to turn it this way. And what I'm going to do is pretend that I'm adding an event, but I'm not really going to uh, put anything in it except the time. So we're going to hit the uh, add button. Add button. Add text field is editing title character mode. We'll go past this title stuff. And one of the things I want to suggest is that you put vertical navigation in your rotor. And you're going to see why in a minute. Uh, let's go past the title. Location. Past the location. That's a great field. You can pick the location of the event and it helps you with time to leave alerts and so forth. All day. Switch button off. Won't worry about that. Starts April 9th, 2021. 4 p.m. Okay, here's double where we want to be. Let's double tap this to bring up the options. Zero. Okay. Add dimmed. The first thing we have. Starts time hours four o'clock adjustable minutes zero zero minutes adjustable. So we have this swipe up or down with the the time pickers that we were talking about. One for the hour and one for the minute. And we can definitely swipe up and down. Hours, four o'clock. Here's the picker. We can swipe up. Five, six, seven, eight, seven, five, four. But I can also double tap right there. Hours, adjustable. Text field is editing. Four o'clock. And now what I want to do, I don't want to move my voiceover cursor. I don't want to use any colons. I don't want to overthink this. I don't want to delete anything. I just want to immediately start typing. Dismissed. And on the, um, on the iPad, the, the time is like on the left, the little keypad on the left-hand side of the iPad. Seven. And I'm going to say it starts at 7.15. Seven. So I put a 7, Dis and four. then I put a one, 1, and I put a five. Five. 5. And now I look, and what I find, Two. 
is a.m. But time, minutes, hours, adjust. Okay, so we're gonna let that alone, and I'm gonna dismiss this pop-up. Cancel. We'll look at the time. Starts. Time. Start time. Hours. Five o'clock. Okay, don't go to that. April 9th, 2021. Okay, and I what I did is I I accidentally deleted it, but let's do that again. Let me go into this time again and type it again. You don't have to delete anything, and I, I just told you all that, and I made the same mistake. Uh, we want to make sure we're very careful about that. Because if you don't type the right thing and you try to, to overthink it, you delete something you, you didn't mean to delete. So in, in this case, what I did is I accidentally typed on the wrong. Uh, I didn't actually delete it. I put the, um, the cursor in the wrong place. And what happens is it, it automatically predicts. So like I typed the seven. And if I were to look right now, it would be zero, zero, seven. But now I put this one and the five, and then I can, and, and then I can simply dismiss that pop-up. The next thing that I want to do is I want to show you the, um, the date picker, which is over here. And so we know the AM and the PM. Okay. You can double tap on either one of those, but I also want to show you this date picker. Month, April, 2021 button adjustable. Double tap to change month and year. Swipe up or down with one finger to adjust the value. Now, this is actually a combination of a picker and a button. If you double tap it, it also shows a year picker, which we can use if we want to change the starting year of the event. In this case, we just can slide up and down with one finger to change the month. Here it's on April. May 2000, June 2000, July 2021. So let's say our event starts in July. Now, we swipe to the right and we see the calendar. Thursday, July 1st, but Friday, July 2nd, Saturday, July 3rd, button. And we can just double tap on any one of these, but what if our event is on July 28th? Do we really want to have to swipe to the right 28 times? Well, the answer is we don't have to. We can learn where the days are located and then just touch the correct one. But we can also use vertical navigation to actually move one week at a time. So I'm going to go over to seven. Wednesday, July 7th, button. Because that'll get me right to the 28th if I set to vertical. Language, screen, container, vertical navigation. I swipe down once. Wednesday, July 14th, button. Twice. Wednesday, July 21st. Now, button. is that vertical navigation showing up in your rotor automatically, or did you have to put it there? I believe that's one that you have to put there, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's there by default, though, but if people have taken it away they want to go back to settings and add that back to the rotor. So I'm on the 28th now. Wednesday, July 28th. And I can just double tap. Selected. Wednesday, July 28th. And then I'll go back up with vertical navigation. Wednesday, July 7th. Button. Thursday, July 1st. Okay. And I now I'm back at the beginning. So I can just dismiss that, that pop-up and... Once I do, I, I now have the, you know, the correct date in there. And you can do the same thing for the uh, end date. Just double tap on ends and uh, it will, it'll put it in there for you. Let's take a look at what we now have. Uh, let's see. Yep, it's correct. July 28th. See, so it has the correct information now, and 
it was that easy. It actually saves us a number of swipes and taps that we would normally have if we were doing it the old way. Um, so got about four minutes left. Anything you want to add to that, Cliff? One thing I want to point out, because I was making an event the other day, and we've had discussions in the past where if you had an event that repeated twice a week, that you had to create two separate events. Well, you no longer have to do that, because if you go into um, custom, there's an option for you to pick every and then I, I would pick weekly and then once you go to weekly you can select the days that you want that event to repeat on so i have an event that repeats every monday and wednesday for the next four or five months and it's set so i don't have to create two separate events it's, it's going to notify me on both those days at that set time because i went into custom and customize how i wanted to see that event to be repeated so i mean that wasn't available i'd have to say as, as soon as three months ago but now it is there yeah, um, there are so many, so many really, really good options for custom repeats. I mean, it's something you've got to play with and become comfortable with, but it really is a, a, you know, there's a lot of great options there and you can really drill down and, and choose very specific custom durations. Other than that, then, you know, I'm pretty sure we don't have a time for another question, but um, just to let everybody know about our stuff you know ttjtech.net if you want to you know sign up for free training we got a new season starting in september um we also do events during the summer like when the apple keynote we do a before and after um i'm going to be continuing to do mac cafe at least once a month you'll be able to see all that and if you are a new Mac user or a Mac user that wants to brush up, I have a folder of materials and recordings that we did back in January for the month with the Mac. If you want to receive that folder and download link, just email me at stirredup at iCloud.com and stir is spelled with a U. All right. Sounds great. Well, guys, I think that's going to do it for us for today. So, um, as, as Cliff said, be sure to check us out on ttjtech.net and stirredup.com. Um, make sure you subscribe to our blog so you never miss anything. Uh, take a look at our podcasts, our YouTube channels. And um, if you do have other support questions, be sure to check out our free virtual help sessions that we offer each week or send emails or iMessages to the tech juggernaut at iCloud.com or stirredup at iCloud.com. Uh, hopefully that uh, demo of the, um, the calendar was useful for you and you could, uh, now, you know, you can double tap on either of those pickers. You just want to change the minute. You can double tap on the minute picker and edit the minute, just change the out, you know, however you want to do that, or you can still swipe up and down. And, um, so hopefully that, uh, that was helpful for you also, uh, God bless you. And thank you for joining us folks. And we will see you back here next week. Thank you to Matt and Cliff for a wonderful presentation and to Tyson for streaming.